Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and once again I'm joined by the Daily Records, Andy Newport and Scott McDermott. We can look ahead, look back first of all in the Stirling Albion Scottish Cup win. Uh, 4-0 Friday night, set up a fifth round tie away to Annan. Um, we've got Livingston on Wednesday. A trip to Ross County this weekend followed by the big one, the trip across the city to Parkhead for the second derby of the season. How are you boys, first of all? Good, Gav. Very well, Gav, thanks. Andy Dingwall this weekend, yeah? Yes, preparing to go up, yep. Yeah, Friday night? Saturday. No, no, Saturday. Saturday, go Saturday. Should be Friday night. Lunchtime kick-off and you're not going up to... Johnny Fox? No, 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 no. Those days are well behind me these days. Uh, what what professional. Saturday morning. What a professional. <laughs> what a professional. Um, well, first of all, before that, Livingston on Wednesday night, looking back on Friday night, first of all, um, Sterling Albion, 4-0, fairly routine. Uh, Alex Lowry, emergence of him, coming off the bench, scoring in his first game. That was the one major positive. How about the fringe men, the other fringe men? Did they take their chances, do you think? Brandon Barker, no. Cedric Itton first came back from his loan spell. Uh, what did you think of those two first and Lowry? Um, I think with uh, Brandon Barker, I think you can see why it's been pretty much a year since his last performance for Rangers, last game for Rangers. Um, just not, not up to scratch. Um can understand the thinking, perhaps try to get him some game time. Obviously, rest rest other guys that are more regular features for the team. Perhaps even get him a wee bit of a in the short window a wee bit. But uh, I'm not sure there'll be too many people queuing up to, to take Brandon Barker uh, off Rangers' hands after that performance. Um, you know, big opportunity. You know, that's what I always say about when you when you're one of the fringe guys at a club like Rangers or Celtic. When you get these opportunities, you have to take it. And uh, I think it was an opportunity miss for for Brandon Barker. Um, like I said, Janino Bakuna. I don't think he stood out too much either. I mean, obviously you're right. Alex Lowry was the the big plus point from the game. Um, obviously, still an Albion. You know, uh, not exactly pulling up too many trees in, in League Two, but. For a first senior run out from from the the youngster, he was he was very prompt, very encouraging. Took his goal well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got. Oh, Lowry was the Lowry was a highlight, uh, undoubtedly. Um, quite rare, actually. I think you see an eighteen year old come onto a game, but so early and, and immediately look comfortable. No, it was pretty pretty seamless, as Andy says. I know it was it was only still an Albion, with all due respect, but. Um, 
No, the way the way he played himself into the game very quickly, uh, showed real composure for his goal. Thought he actually played quite well the second half as well. Um, so that was a major bonus for for Van Bronckhurst. Um, in terms of the fringe men, I agree with Andy. I mean Barker. Barker actually just looked like a guy who knows no matter what he's going to do, he's going to be away anyway. It, it didn't even seem to have that hunger uh, on Friday night to go and to go and impress because he knows he'll be he'll be away. Um, I thought Bakuna. No, the jury's still out on him. I think he shows talent and flashes. I think no, his pass for his pass for Sakala's goal was brilliant late on. Um, I think he's got that in his locker, but it's whether he can produce it consistently enough in a Rangers midfield. Um, I think he could be of value to them as a guy coming off the bench and maybe having an impact or, or producing you know, something about creativity when you need it. But again, not brilliant. And Itten, I worry about Itten. I just don't think, listen, I know it's only one game, Van Bronckhurst and, and Roy Mackay and, and the coaching staff have still to really get their, get their teeth into him. So, um, no, I'm willing to, to wait a while to see, see any kind of, uh, kind of tangible improvement. But on the face of it, I just I don't think he's what Rangers, what Rangers are needing. I don't think he's good enough to play that lone striker role for Rangers on his own. And ultimately, I think that probably was a short window for him. And if Rangers can recoup some of the money that they that they paid for him, I think they would probably probably take it. Scott, see on Bakuna, are you surprised that the Dutch link with Gio coming in? You haven't seen more of him. You haven't seen more out of him. You're just obviously, you know, he's, he's from Holland himself originally. I mean, is that yeah, is that surprise that hasn't sort of teased a wee bit more out of him so far? Know, a couple of weeks ago, you almost forgot he was there when you were looking at looking at squads and that, but I just don't know what to make him. And I don't really know what position he plays. I don't know if he's a central midfielder. I don't know if he's somebody that can play off the side. Um, I mean, if the first 15, 20 minutes against Stonehill, but he seemed to just kind of sit back and want to try and dictate. And then he kind of moved himself further forward and got a bit more involved. Obviously, he set up Lowry's goal with a, a kind of nicely weighted pass as well. Um I say the, pass, the, the the way I passed for Sakala's goal was brilliant. I mean, just it completely split split the defence and was perfect for him to run on and score. So he's got a wee bit of that kind of you know, that kind of genial ability in him, I think. But it's just whether a manager can can get the best of him and whether he can produce it on a regular basis. I and mean, I tend to think probably not. Um, you know, looking at his kind of looking at his career so far, but. No, I think there's still a chance for him, as you say. With the, 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 I think Gio will try and work with him, and even this season, I think just it, it could be quite valuable to them coming off the bench. I don't see him being a, a regular starter, but it's somebody who could maybe have an impact and come up with something. If you're struggling for a goal or just want somebody to create something a wee bit different, then he could do that. It, he looks like a guy if he if his heart's in it and his his mind's on it, then he could be a he could be an asset to you, but. It's just whether Rangers will get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you spoke about it in up front. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Livingston Wednesday, Ross County. There's always that danger when there's an old firm game coming up. You know, people do get ahead of themselves, take the eye off the ball. I'm sure the players won't, but there's no doubt that fans are already looking to that game and thinking, right, who's going to play? So in that sense, in that sense, Going by the the performance up at Petodre, 
and particularly in the midfield, and also with you saying that Itton wasn't up to the job, and uh, with Alfredo Morelos going to be an international duty, Aribo back after being knocked out of the African Nations Cup has to be a huge plus, um, and Ruth not going away with Jamaica. So yeah. does Ruth start up front? It does for me. I mean, talking about Lowry being the highlight on Friday night, I thought the mm-hmm. two big pluses for Rangers were Lowry and Ruth coming back, basically. Mm-hmm. And Ruth looked quite sharp, I thought, when they came on, even though it was just for a short spell. But I expect to see Ruth get minutes against Livingston and Ross County uh, with Celtic Park in mind because there's no doubt he, he would be my central striker at Celtic Park oh. with uh, with two you no know, obviously Aribo behind him and uh, I think Rangers will, will look for a bit of pace either side personally I would go with Kent and Sakala uh, at either side of going to oh. Celtic Park no. I was going to ask you that yeah, uh-huh. yeah I, mean, I don't want to say that will happen but listen I think if it's a it, Sakala can play through the middle but he's obviously no get that presence it's all about you no know, running in behind Mm-hmm. I think Ruth, you know, after Morelos, Ruth is undoubtedly the next best option. Sometimes he can be an even better option because he, he plays a bit different to Morelos. Um, so no, I mean, I would definitely go with. I, I don't think I, I don't think Atten's up to to going to Celtic Park and leading the line for you. I think Ruth's got that experience. You no, know, played at a level. He's already shown. Although Rangers fans would have wanted to see more of him. He's been kind of hampered with, with injuries and stuff since he's. Mm-hmm since he's been here, but his kind of goals to game ratio, I think, is is very decent. Um, so going to Celtic Park for what's obviously going to be a, a huge game, I think Van Bronckhurst will definitely have Ruth in mind as his, as his central striker. And it's funny because this game, for months now, or, or, or weeks, um, we've been trying to predict the lineups on both sides. Because it, obviously it's taking place in this international break, and it was like who may and may not be available. The dust has settled a bit now on this. Um, when you look at it, who do you think has, or who, who do you think is affected worse? Well, I think definitely Celtic. In the sense that Rangers are only going to be missing one player as much as it's only it's, it's Alfredo Morelos mm-hmm. who. Although he's not getting really the best scoring record against Celtic, he's always somebody you want having your, your team going to Celtic Park just because of how difficult uh, Celtic have found him to play against at times. Um, you know, Celtic, not just internationals in terms of Maeda and Tom Rodgers who'll be, who'll be missing, but also the injuries to Furuhashi and, and to now Callum McGregor. Um, I think he's also talking about the Gucci, perhaps being injured as well for this one. So, you know, they, they, they have certainly got more things to, to be worried about the, the Rangers do um get into this game. Um I think you know I think Scott's right in terms of roof for me would be the guy that Rangers should be looking to start. I mean I think it's pretty uh, striking with um the fact that he has himself requested not to go away with Jamaica. I mean he could have piled the, the, the problems on uh Giovanni Broncos by by accepting a call up with Jamaica and a message through from the Jamaican FA this week uh, from the manager Paul Hall saying it was uh, it was Kamal Roof who's requested to, to to stay behind in Glasgow. Obviously, he's, he's just back from injury. Um, perhaps Fennel just wasn't up for uh, for international football big tri- trip across the Atlantic. But um, I think that'll be really good news and welcome news for for Giovan Bronckhorst. Mm-hmm. 
a guy of his quality and experience is, is willing to stay behind, put international football to the side for for a month or two so he can concentrate on, on this game, which you know is a, a huge game coming up. It can be pivotal to the, the future destination of the, 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 the title. Um, Rangers win this, go seven clear. Um, it, would look, it would appear very, very difficult for Celtic to train that back in. Celtic get the result and cut it back to one, then it's, it's going to be nip and tuck all the way to the end, end of the season. So yeah. for Rangers to uh, have that sort of short commitment from Kamal Roof will be really welcome, especially when they are all obviously missing Alfredo Morelos. Yeah, you spoke of, well, we've obviously touched on the attack here. Um, Scott, will John Suter make his debut at Parkhead? Sorry, just um, I, would, I, would I would think not. No, I would, I would think not. Joking aside, is he going to be a Rangers player by then? Is what I mean. I think, I think he will be. I think he'll be a Rangers yeah. player by the end of this window. Um, now, Craig, Levit, Craig Levine's loose lips on Sunday said that they want 600 grand hearts. Um, is that him just uh, playing the game for Hearts? Just, just you know, a bit of their, their work for them? I mean, if he's going to go to Ibrox before the transfer window, is he going to go for 600,000? Um, just going to pay that, really? I'd be surprised if he paid 600,000. Um, you get the feeling that about a minute to midnight, he'll sign for three hundred thousand, won't he, or something like that? Four hundred, maybe. Yeah, I, around, I, I think around the four hundred mark would, yeah. would be would be ample, and I think it would be worth worth Rangers doing to get him in now. Um, no, I think Rangers really need John Suter for the rest of the season to win the title. Probably not, but he adds another bit of quality, adds another body to the squad. I think the most important thing about getting him in now is that. You know, he gets a rerun at it or he gets into the squad you know, for the remainder of the season, but is then you know, he's integrated himself, so he's mainly ready to go next season. Well, that's what done with Scott Wright, wasn't it? I mean, and they did that with Kamara. That's that's the benefit of getting them in now. Uh, um, but no, I mean, I think even if he signed, well, even if he does sign before the window shuts, I don't think he would be, he'd be thrown no. off. I think he's capable. I mean, I think the Rangers were struggling. Well, that's what was, I mean, when you bring in a new signing, I mean, very rarely would you want to throw them in. I mean, you saw it with James Sands there, you know, going yeah. to Audrey. You know, it's it's not the type of game ideally you want to put somebody in, but at least if it was John Suter and you had to play him because of an injury or something, at least oh, he knows. He knows, he knows. I don't think it'd be a problem for Suter. I mean, listen, he's obviously no played in the old firm atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, he's played, no. he's played in big games, played in big games for... Scotland and Hearts, no, he's been to Celtic Park loads of times. I don't think it would be a problem for him, but no, all things being equal, I think he probably will be a Rangers player and could possibly be on the bench for for Celtic Park. I don't I wouldn't expect him to start right away. I think Rangers as long as no barring injuries, obviously Goldson's gonna play. Um Bassey's done really well at centre back. Uh not the last few months, so no, no real reason to move him. But obviously, Balogun has come back, so the Broncos going to have a, a decision to make how he can shape that that back four. So I don't think, as I say, barring any any disasters, I don't think John Suter will be will be needed. Um, yeah. If he signs, then no, of course he could be on the he could be on the bench. I, I think the key thing, just talking about players missing, and Andy will probably know a bit more than me about the kind of state of play with injuries and stuff. But I think the key for Rangers at the moment 
is getting either Stephen Davis or Scott Arfield back for for the old firm because yep. that's no, I, th- I think Roof coming back as we've spoke about, yeah, is fine. I think the defence looks, yep. looks pretty sound. The midfield is well, no, they're, they're, they're struggling and they struggled yep. with Audrey. Um, struggled at Petaudry, as I say, the fringe guys, Lundstrom, Bakuna, didn't they really grab their chance properly on Friday night? I think obviously Kamara starts, obviously Aribo starts, but I think there's another space up for grabs. And I think if you could get Davis or Arfield, if you could get some minutes in their legs before Celtic Park, then Van Bronckers would want to go with one of them. Arfield, especially. Arfield, since Van Bronckers came in, had a sort of real new lease of life and I think just the fact that obviously the way Van Bronckhorst wants to play with the, the wingers sort of hugging the touchline it opens up those wee pockets of space just outside the box where Arfield when he makes those sort of drifting runs and he's, he's so effective so if you know if he can get himself back fit for that game as you say get some prove himself get some minutes in the legs then it could be an opportunity for him but then again, obviously Davis as well his control yeah. His experience will be could be crucial as well. So the, there are some big sort of selection issues for uh, for Van Bronckhurst if you can get everyone back fit. I think, I think if, Davis, if Davis and Arfield aren't fit, then he has to go with Lundstrom. I mean, I just I wouldn't throw Sands. I wouldn't throw Sands into Celtic Park. Listen, no, no, that he did too much wrong at Petodre. It was a poor performance all round for the for the whole team, but. No, I didn't think he impacted the game, didn't think he had any influence on the game. I think it's difficult for a, a young player to yeah. come to America and get into those kind of environments you know, straight off the bat. I know Lundstrom has been criticised and hasn't really set the head on fire since he's been here, but no, he's still got experience. He was playing you no know, Premier League not that long ago. I don't think the, the occasion would would phase him. Um, as I say, I think Van Bronckhurst's First choice would be Davis or Arfield and beside Kamara, but if none of them are fit, then I think it has to look at look at Lundstrom. Well, that's what I was going to say, Andy. I mean, uh, we obviously covered attack there, which pretty much picked itself. Going with what you two boys are saying, and it will defence as well. Uh, but I was, I was I was just going to get to the midfield before you brought that up there, Scott. But I mean, the Petodri, what are you slightly, Andy, in terms of the midfield? Just like the lack of sort of depth. Yeah, but yeah, but then you're also thinking you get three, four guys out. I mean, oh, true. I mean, so I mean, there's there's your depth gone right there. You know, it's just a sort of unfortunate well, circumstances. Yeah, I mean, put us way. I mean, I think I think the, the Angel support will be far more optimistic going to Celtic Park with having Joe Aribo back. I mean, he's just he's been an absolute standout player. I mean, I think everyone would have been sitting there uh, on Sunday night. Uh, Cheering Tunisia to the rafters when they when they scored that goal just after half time that means he's uh, he's on his flight back for Cameroon. So um that what they really missed at Petodre was that wee bit of midfield spark, wee bit of creativity, especially with the with the fullbacks sort of sitting deep to sort of holding midfielders or just there wasn't the, the weight of bodies that you would normally associate with a Rangers team going forward. So it was really just like the front four that were attacking, everyone else was just sort of hanging back. Um and Hadji just sort of didn't really grab the game the way that you would be hoping for in that number sort of 10 role. Um, Aribo went back, if you can get a Davis or an Arfield with their experience, and then obviously Kamara, we know these are the games where you really see him come to the format. Often, I think with Kamara, he, 
he gets a bit of bored of the sort of run of the mill games and doesn't really assert himself. But I think when he games against Celtic, that's when you see him, you know, producing all the wee, the wee flashes, the wee touches of quality that he, he can bring. Um, so I think no, the, the Rangers fans will be a lot more. Uh, we'll have a lot more optimism going to Parkhead than perhaps with a week ago when they thought they were going to be missing Morelos, they were going to be missing Naribo, they were going to be missing Roof, perhaps, you know, even Sands if he'd been called up to America. So that depth wasn't there. The Miad and the injuries that sort of started to creep creep in. If Rangers can get these guys back a uh, couple of games under the belt before before next day, Wednesday, then I imagine they'll, they'll be a lot, you know, they'll be feeling a lot better about themselves making that trip over to Parkhead. But were you surprised that Lundstrom didn't start at Petodre? Because you know the kind of game you're going to get up there. I mean, James Sands probably, I mean, even, you know, you, you wouldn't have thought he was going to be the, the type that would have been up for that kind of game that he's debuted at Lundstrom. Awesome. I mean, I just don't think there'll be anything in MLS that would have prepared them for a trip yeah. to Petodre. And there's probably nothing that was far from nothing that's going to prepare them for a trip to Celtic Park. So, yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener, but, you know, obviously. Giovan Broncos had a look at him. Um, he's brought him in to be the future. He's it's his signing, you know. Yeah. From, as it was not his signing from all the sort of mood music we're hearing. You know, we're not entirely sure if he'll still be here next week himself. Yeah. You know, these links with Middlesbrough sort of come to fruition. So, you know, I can understand it from that point of view. It's, it's managers always want to play their own players ahead of other guys. Um, you see that a lot across the road at Celtic Park. You know, basically, if it's if you're an Ange Postecoglou signing, you play against yeah, instead of the guys that were there, you know, previously at Celtic. So, um, you know, it didn't surprise me, but you know, I, I think that certainly that. I would be. I think you're going to be scoring. I would be stunned if uh, James Sands walked as a as an starting lineup for for Celtic Park next Wednesday. No, but I mean Lundstrom. I mean, if you had to go with him, would you would you have concerns? No, no, I agree with Scotty. You know, the guy's played Premier League football. He's mm-hmm. you know he's you know he's used to you know this as much as there's a couple of foreign coaches on it, this whole firm game will still pretty much resemble a, a typical British game of football in many ways. It'll be blood and thunder. And, you know, I think that that maybe actually plenty. John Lundstrom's strengths, and you know, he's, he's he's used to that Premier League ferocious pace. You know, um, I think that's actually maybe a game that suits him. Yeah, so that's what I was meaning because I mean, I thought that for Petodri as well. I thought, well, that kind of game a tailor made from you know, like especially with Scott Brown and all that. I mean, you just thought him being up against a young American would would sort of relish that, whereas Lundstrom would be more up for the battle. Yeah, I was surprised, Gav. I mean, I was amazed that Sands was thrown in at Petodre when, when Lundstrom was available. Um, as Andy says, I think it's just a case of, you know, it's Gio's, Gio's signing. He's obviously had a look at him, likes to look at him in training, but just surprised Gio, the, the manager, knowing what type of game that was going to be. I mean, he, he came out after the game and said himself that it was blood and thunder and loads of tackles and all that. I mean, to me, that was made for Lundstrom as opposed to no, as I say, this young guy coming over for America and get his first first taste of Scottish football here. So, yeah, I think if it comes down to that, then Lundstrom would Lundstrom would need to play at Celtic Park. Um, I just I'm not sure. I, the thing about Lundstrom is I don't know what you think, Andy. Is to me it's weird seeing him as a this kind of quarterback, you know, sitting in front of the back four, dictating. And I know Rangers have had injuries, but. My memories of Lundstrom at Sheffield United were always, and I know it's a different league and a different team, but my memories have always were, were of him going box to box and getting in, arriving late, 
in the box and getting an end of things and being a kind of all action midfielder. And I so I don't that, yeah, I think that maybe only worked when he's got space in front of him to run into. Whereas when yeah. he plays in that more advanced role with Rangers, invariably he's pushing right up onto a, a defence that's packed in. So yeah. in order to give him the space that he's probably used to in terms of having ground, open ground to drive into, then you probably have to play him deeper. Yeah. Then that, but then he's got to have the discipline to stay there and shield and, and move and move the ball and recycling. You're not really seeing that rampaging side to him that you probably would have seen these days with Sheffield United. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a perfect fit in terms of the signing because, like it or not, as much as you're Premier League footballer, it's a totally different style of football. We used to at Bramall Lane than he would be up at Ibrook. So, you know, I, I know why Stephen Gerrard would have been attracted to the signing because... He's played at a very good level, but you know, it, it, it does still seem to me it was a bit of a, a round peg in a square hole. But it, it wasn't the perfect fit, far, far from it. Yeah, Andy, you were up at Petardry uh, when I spoke to you the other week. There, you, we spoke about Kevin Clancy. His performance obviously came under real scrutiny. Um, you said when you were up there, it wasn't just. I mean, it was even around the home fans. Everybody was sort of. Uh, moaning about his display, how bad was it in your eyes? I think there has been a bit of an overreaction to it. Yeah, you know, the, 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 it, it, in my mind, you get the two big decisions wrong. I, I don't think it was a, it should have been a penalty um, to Aberdeen the first half. I think if that sort of thing happens in the halfway line, you'd be looking for a free kick. So even, even though Hedges gets a shot away, I think, I mean, I think I said last week I could see both sides yet, but I think on reflection, I think it probably was a a, a, a penalty, um, and then obviously the Ryan Kent one was very, very, very soft. And, you know, I just don't think it was. A, I don't think it was a second yellow. Uh, so wasn't it soft? It was terrible. Yeah, Kenny Douglas said he's calling at the weekend that neither of them were yellows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't think the the first one with the Johnny Hayes. I didn't think it was a foul. <laughs> the the actual tackle, then. Hayes gets up in his face, and then Ken, I think Ken's well within his rights to push him away. If the guy's getting in your face, you, you're just going to let the guy stand an inch away if he's screaming in your face. I think he's well within his rights to push him away. So I didn't think it was that was a booking either. So um, no, I, mean, but I do think some of the actions be overturned. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys, you know, they're not full time refs. They don't have VAR. They're going to make mistakes, and yeah, we can sit here and go. The, the quality of refereeing um, in this country isn't great, but you know. We don't have the, the biggest depth to pull. I mean, I, I think there is an issue now that we're, we're getting to the point where we're having these Ferraris over referees every other week to the point where you're going to get guys going. What's the what's the what's the attraction to 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 doing the job? I I, I know a couple of guys that, that are referees, and you know I, I know some of them that have been through some pretty horrendous stuff over the years. Um, and you know it's not like they have a supporter base to fall back on. And, you know they get it, <laughs> they get it. In the neck from all quarters week after week so i think as a country we do have to be pretty careful about how we treat our referees i think we need to show a wee bit more restraint understanding these guys uh um, you know they're, they're not superhuman they don't have <laughs> eyes at every corner they don't have the benefits of replays they don't have var so you know they're going to make mistakes yet maybe, maybe they're not the best referees in the world but you know uh, as a nation do we produce the best footballers in the world no so um I, th- I think we just need to have a wee bit more understanding in the position that they find themselves in. The point, well, the point about Clancy, Gav, Petodri, 
was, but I, I don't think it was, I mean, I think he did get the, the big decisions wrong, but I thought it was just the whole game. I thought it was poor officiating. I thought he actually contributed, contributed to it being a, a really poor spectacle when you went into that game expecting it to be a, to be a cracker. Um, but the constant, I mean, every time anybody went near anybody, it was a foul. Any tackle that went in was a booking. I thought his kind of whole demeanour and his attitude was was wasn't right for that game. I've seen other officials handle that game far better because no, they've they've gone into it knowing no what it's going to be like, knowing the nature of that fixture. So I just thought, I mean, he did get the big decisions wrong, but I think in terms of his overall performance, it was just really really poor. And it it, it should have been. Like, I agree with Andy. Last refs always make mistakes and. Of course, they will no, never going to be perfect. But I think as a ref, you, you at least need to know what kind of fixture you're going into. And I think you need to know how to, how best to handle it. And I think I think that's where Clancy got it got it no, totally wrong, as well as really poor decision making, particularly on the Kent red card. Because I don't th- I don't think you should need to see replays over and over again to realise that those two, especially the second one, is just never a no, it's never a foul. Never mind that. Never mind a yellow card. Mm. Andy, obviously Rangers were c- concerned enough about the performance that's been reported. That they sent a letter to the SDFA highlighting eight decisions. What do you think they could achieve out of that? <laughs> Not much, to be honest. Um, I don't think. You know, I don't think we're going to see referees getting demoted or dropped. I don't think we've got enough referees to do that week after week. Um, so, I'd, I'd, you know, obviously they're right to raise concerns if they if they feel that this is a a problem thing that happens week after week. But you know, I'm not entirely sure it's especially meeting the public is is the most helpful of things. I think uh, these are things that could probably be handled best behind closed doors. Um, I know, obviously, we're, we're seeing Celtic. Um, fans unhappy with the way their game was, was handled um, at the weekend as well. This isn't an issue that affects one club. It's uh, something that affects the whole of Scottish football. If refereeing standards need to improve, then as a as a nation, we need to do best better to, to help raise the standards. And the best way we can do that is to bring in VAR, get the money, whatever way we need to get the money, Get it invested. Get the, the refs trained up in, in these systems and, and get the cameras and the screens into the grounds. That's the best thing we can do. That will make us. Imagine the arguments we're going to have the Var when that comes in. Jesus. Uh, Fan, uh, fans finding out where the where the hub, <laughs> where the where the refs are sitting. <laughs> you know, you have a little faith. Well, come on, we're more civilized nation than that, surely. Yeah? It's going to be carnage. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I, I agree with Andy. The, the whole Rangers, of course, are within their rights to complain or, or, or voice their grievances like any other club. But these kind of one-off token gestures when, when decisions go against you, it's just pointless. I mean, if you're serious about improving refereeing standards, then it has to be across the board. You need to get together with other clubs, with the SFA, with the referees themselves, actually sit down at a proper discussion about full-time refs or where they can improve or whether it is VAR, I mean... Yeah, but how many times have we been in, in there over the years? I mean, sitting down in meetings and we need to do this. I mean, it's been worse than it is now. 
I mean, there have been occasions in the past when that's happened, haven't there? We need to sort this. And yeah, I mean, you do, you do feel as if you can go around and then, and then it's things like full time and you know, all these kind of different arguments. I mean, did they not have a yeah, I mean, it was it's not that long ago, remember, they had a summit up at McDermott Park, mm. they not, um. Yeah, but is that not just ref, is that not just refs meeting with some with some clubs? I'm talking about the SPFL as a body going to the SFA and saying, look, we are no, we have concerns over the general standard of refereeing. I, mean, I don't know if there has been serious discussions about it. If, if what no Rangers Rangers are making serious points, no, and feel genuine grievances. No, and if other clubs are feeling the same, then it is serious and. No, they do need to sit down and, and try and do something. As I say whether that is full time refs or looking into that or no VAR. Or, I know we're talking VAR is going to come in anyway in the next the next year or two. But um, no, you're never going to make a difference. No, I think you asked right away, Gav. What 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 could Rangers achieve? Andy's right. Nothing. I mean, nothing's going to be done with, with a one off. As I say, talking gesture later. I mean, that's just it's just daft. Let's be honest. There's a bit of psychology. You know, isn't it? You know. Clubs, when they do this, hope that somewhere down the line, the referee is... It didn't do too much harm on Friday night when John Beaton gave him two penalties. Listen, that's why, let's be honest, that's why Celtic have, you know, it's part of the thinking when Celtic have done it in the past, you know, and, and, and Rangers may be doing it now, because who knows, when the, when the, when the title race is nip and tuck, you know, if a referee's undecided, it's the last minute, yeah. you're, not, and you're thinking, well, if I don't give it, that's what it is. It's, it's psychology, you know, isn't it? Surely. Yeah, the psychology Ooh. comes in here because at the end of the day, this is a country where there's only two teams going for the title. Yeah. So you don't have to declare which team you support to become a referee because if you did, you would automatically rule out half the, the referees for be able to officiate. So, you know, there's always this paranoid suspicion, but, you know, I, I, I think you've got to look at him, you know, look at Kevin Clancy. If he has a bad game, he gets pillaged. He's all over the back of the papers. Mm-hmm. He's on forums, on radios. Nobody wants to go through that. There's no conspiracy here. Standards need to be raised, yeah. But the best thing we can do to help them is give the referees the tools that allow them to get as many decisions right as, as possible. For me, that's far. I know Scott's got his concerns, but um, I, I still think, you know, even down south, yeah, there's still the odd hiccup here and the odd teething trouble. It took them a few years to get the system right, but gradually speaking, it's getting the the, the level of officiating or the level of decision making in English football to, to a much better standard than it had been previously. And I think that okay, we might have to go through our own teething troubles when it first comes in, especially as likelihood is we'll not have the one that the system, the full bells and whistles. It'll be some sort of VAR light we'll have to put up with, but. Um, you know, once we get over those teething troubles, I think you will come out the other side and go, yeah, officiating has improved. I mean, I think Scott's right in terms of, like, you know, refereeing is not just about being able to make the big calls, about how you handle a game, how you handle players as well. That can definitely improve. I mean, we've, we always hear players moaning about the fact that referees, they don't speak to them anymore. They have this overly officious uh, manner about them, I think they, we, they definitely they could be a bit more personable with the players and have that rapport with them, and that maybe takes a bit of the heat out of some of the the situations that we do see developing. But again, if you give the referees the tools that allow them to make 
the, the big decisions or at least come out the other side of a big decision, knowing it's the right one that's been made. Perhaps that takes a wee bit of the pressure off them and their general rapport with the players can, can be improved. I'd lo- just I'd love to know where our version of Stockley Park's going to be, honestly. Because see the old Firm game that's going to decide a title. They'll need to have that in the moon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant. Um, right, Andy, we were joking about you going to Dingwall. Um, it's certainly not the Westfallen Stadium, although a lovely wee place, Dingwall, but it's not the Westfallen Stadium. And um, that was another story today that uh, Borussia Dortmund are considering launching legal action to try and allow fans back into their stadium so Rangers fans might get a wee bit of hope. There's only 750 fans allowed in just now because of German uh, restrictions, COVID restrictions, but uh, Dortmund are going to fight that. I noticed um, we did a, a piece yesterday on the website actually that Ray, uh, Ibrooks was in the top five best reviewed stadiums in the UK. That was some going. and But Dortmund's was number one in the whole of Europe. 80,000, biggest stadium in Germany. It's not looking good at the moment, but how how good would it be if Rangers fans got the chance to travel there next month? Oh, I think it's one of the, it's, you know, that yellow wall of theirs, it's one of the sort of bucket list sort of venues that, uh, in Europe that, that fans want to tick off, um, especially if you can see it in full flow, as I say, that yellow wall packed out. Um, it's a shame, you know, these, you know, we've, we've missed out so much the last couple of years in terms of, you know, opportunities to travel, punters, you know, the Rangers have had some great trips uh, over the last year or so that the fans have had to miss out on. Um, we saw the, the sort of farcical situations in France with the Lyon game just before Christmas when it was on, it was off, it was on, and last minute it was back on again, so... Um, for the for the find that they're not going to get an allocation uh, to go over there will be a blow. I, mean, I know I've got I've got friends myself that are booked up to travel over, um, so I know that so they're now scrambling to work out whether they still go just for a, just to get a bevy and I wander around uh, Dortmund and watching a bar somewhere or they just cancel and stay stay put. So yeah, it's a blow. I mean, it's you know given you think you're, you're in Prague, you've had. Uh, you know, Benfica, um, a couple other ones in there. Uh, you know, had it not been for COVID, they'd probably been going to Istanbul with the Galatasaray game, maybe played over two legs. You know, there's been so many great opportunities, and that, you know, that's why we're all football fans. It's why I know Scott and I and you, Gavin, when you were still in the tools, the, the big perk of the job was getting to go around the world and see these these foreign, foreign grounds, these foreign cities, and, and you know, see a wee bit of the world. Um, to miss out on that is a blow, so I suppose uh, all the Rangers fans will be hoping that uh, the Dortmund lawyers can, can pull one off in the courtroom and get this decision overturned. It's a blow. Good. I thought you said the Dortmund loyal. Did you say lawyers? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said loyal. I actually thought you said maybe, that. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll sort the bears out with some tickets. <laughs> the loyal. I thought you said the Dortmund loyal. Thanks. He talking about supporters. Sure there is, there's one of them everywhere. I'm sure there is a Dortmund loyal. <laughs> I think it's a blow to the fans, Gav, but it could be a boost for Rangers and Van Bronckhorst. I mean, yeah. well, we think you're going to have a packed Highbrooks oh, yeah. yeah. home leg. Well, I don't think it'd be the same kind of Dortmund team or same Dortmund um, kind of experience that you would face. No, without, no, without that 80,000 in that stadium. Um, I've been there for a, for a Scotland game and no one is rocking. It can be quite intimidating. Um, no, we all know that Dortmund have, have played on that for 
for many years now. So, um, I, I just I don't think it'd be the same. Obviously, it wouldn't be the same atmosphere. But I just don't think as a team, Dortmund, um, no, would would be would be the same without without that kind of backing. So, in terms of Rangers, obviously, as a club, you would want your fans to to get over there, and of course, the supporters are are desperate to go uh, go on that trip. But I think when you look at the bigger picture, if it is only how many fans did you say? Seven hundred and fifty. 750, yeah. I think it might be 750 in the stadium total, not even 750 fans. Oh, oh, oh no, that's what I mean, sorry, yeah, I do, I, I mean the whole stadium. Oh, I mean, as it stands, there would be no away fans. Yeah, so I mean, it's empty, I mean, it's basically, yeah, I think that gives Rangers a far better chance of getting, a, getting any kind of positive result for the away leg, as opposed to going over there and facing, even if you did have a, a few thousand Rangers fans, but if you've got, if you've got 75,000 Dortmund fans in there, it's... It's pretty daunting, especially with the team, with the team they've got. So, um, as I say, a blow to the supporters, but I think, I think Van Bronckhorst will be, will be kind of quietly quite, quite pleased that, that they're going over there to an empty, an empty stadium. Great, right, okay, boys. Thanks a lot once again for your time. Uh, enjoy Dingwall, Andy, and uh, we'll reconvene at the start of next week to build up to that massive game and then the countdown to the transfer window as well so um, there'll be plenty to talk about next week thank you cheers cheers, cheers. bye